0: It makes me very, very happy and it helps the channel grow. And feel free to tell your friends, your family, your pets, whoever you want to share this with, and let's work out together. Welcome to the Simply Fit podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Asu. In this podcast, I'll be looking at three key questions related to fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I will break these down into information that is easy to understand and actionable so that you can apply it to your life today this podcast will give you all you need to improve your health and well-being once and for all so sit back listen and most importantly take action Hello wonderful people and welcome back to the Simply Fit podcast. Today I have episode 27 for you and I feel like it's been a while since I've done an episode of the traditional format and that's exactly what we have for you today and with some really really awesome topics too which I can't wait to get into but just before I do if you are listening to this and it's still before Monday, the 5th of April, 5 p.m. UK time, you still have a chance to enter the EH challenge. And as I mentioned in last week's podcast, it is our way of giving back and helping you guys get back into a good place with your health and wellness if it's not been the best over the past year. And just to go through it again, you're getting a training plan, nutrition plan, you're going to have live webinars, Facebook lives, you're also going to be in with a chance of winning a huge, huge prize. And all you've got to do is get yourself signed up. We'll send you the details after that. And just to reiterate, 100% completely free. So if you haven't yet and you're sitting on the fence about it, what's the worst that can happen? Pause this now and head over and get yourself signed up. So it's www.ehcoaching.co.uk forward slash eh challenge, and that will be down in the show notes below as well. So let's get into today's topics and as most of you know and as you would have just <laughs> heard me mention, I'm a part of a team of coaches called EH Coaching. The mission for our coaching is not just about taking clients from where they are today to where they want to be that's a large part of it where they find themselves at day one is usually unhappy with their body not happy with their health they might lack confidence etc and obviously the goal is to get them into the best place they've ever been get them happier leaner and stronger but this is just you know literally about 50 percent of the equation for us like the even more important aspect of this is when we get them to their goals in the most safe and effective way we want to teach them how to maintain their results for the long term. And quite often when I initially speak to people, like people don't want results just for a few weeks and then start backtracking. They want results that they can maintain for months, years, and even a lifetime. But the challenge is they've just not ever found anything that allows them to do this. And this is the crucial part of our service, and, you know, what we want to do is through the coaching, give them education, give them tools and strategies during the initial phase. But one of the most important yet overlooked aspects is the reverse diet on which we heavily, heavily focus on. So let me ask you a question. When you've hit your goal, like let's say you're getting in shape for a wedding or a holiday or you, you know, you actually stuck with your New Year's resolution. If you hit that goal, did you have a plan afterwards? Was there a strategy to get you back into a sustainable place and get you to maintenance? Was the importance of this, you know, if you did have a plan, was it super stressed to you in a sense like this is super, super important? If not, I feel like this might be the missing link and the part we personally at EH Coaching we place a huge focus on and it's actually what I want to go through today, which is how do I reverse diet? And why should I reverse diet? So I'm going to begin with the why and then I'll move into the how. So when we get going during a fat loss phase, we start on a certain amount of calories. We start on a certain amount of activity in terms of cardio, training, steps, etc. And with us at EH Coaching, we're very big on minimal effective dose. The higher we can keep your calories, the lower we can have your activity while still getting some awesome results in the early stages, you know, the happier we all are. For the most part, though, as time goes on, naturally we'll start to reduce your calories, increase your activity and if you've got more body fat to shift and you want to get leaner then we may end up taking you to a fairly unsustainable place. And I repeat that, we will potentially take you to an unsustainable place. And for a period of time, there is nothing wrong with this. And I always tell people that the fat loss phase isn't built for sustainability. It's built to get you to the goal. And then when we get you to the goal in the most quick and most efficient, but safe manner, then we want to get into sustainability because realistically, fat loss phases shouldn't be sustainable. They should be dipped in and out of, and then we should be able to have the sustainable rest of our lives, right? And I... Again, to give you another example to allow you to fully digest this, just like any time in your life where you are working towards a goal, right? You probably worked super hard to get there. You did the late nights, the early mornings. And then once you hit that goal, you eased off to a more sustainable amount of work. But that kind of pushing was required to get you to the place that you wanted to be, right? And that's kind of a similar concept of what I look at with this fat loss phase. So what we need to recognize is during a fat loss phase, a number of things are gonna happen that are not going to, like our body, the way it starts from a, you know, our BMR, our NEAT, our thermic effect of food, all of that is going to start in a slightly higher place when we get going. So, what I want to get started with is our NEAT, which is a fancy way of saying like it's non-exercise activity thermogenesis. But it just basically means all the movements that you do that aren't exercise, right? Standing up, climbing the stairs, fidgeting, picking your child up off the floor, right? Those things require calories, and walking would actually usually go into that category. But of course, we we track that these days, right? And the reason this will start in a certain place and then will eventually go down is because we've got to recognize our body cares about survival and preservation of energy. It does not care about your fat loss goals. All it wants to do is make sure that you have enough energy to keep going. And therefore, you know, eventually you'll actually stop fidgeting as much. You'll find yourself seated more. And I have a bit of a funny story about this because if if you'd ever seen me towards the back end of my diet as a personal trainer, like usually I like to be stood up, just trying to be very dynamic and in the sessions. But you know what, you'll find yourself in a lot of personal trainers and people who've been in the back end of that loss phase will relate to me here is that they'll find themselves just slowly sitting down a little bit more. I think me and Umar touched on this in the uh, last episode of the Ramadan specials. You find yourself sitting down more. You find, you know, you're not using your hands as much, you're not being as expressive. And another example is when I was on my first ever competition prep. Like, I'm a singer in the car, I'm a singer in the shower, I'm a singer whenever. However, I didn't realize, but I'd stopped. And then one day I had like a, a refeed meal where I had, I had a pizza, I had some, you know, I had a bunch of calories, basically. It was when I used to do cheat meals. And the next day in my car, I was singing along to all this music. And I was just like, oh, wow, I haven't been doing that for like the past, like, I don't even know how long. And that was my body's automatic way of just seeing like, Elliot, chill. Like, we need to conserve this energy here because of, you know, the majority of the time you, you only have just enough calories to get yourself going. And that's kind of what will happen, right? So our general activity burn from all of those things will reduce as time goes on. And then the second is the TEF, which is our thermic effect of food. And we had this discussion a little while back when I covered the question of is fruit healthy? And then I went through like how much energy and calories it requires to digest certain foods, right? That was um, episode 21 if you missed it. And then naturally, obviously, if we're into intaking more food at the beginning, the higher the thermic effect of food. When we're gonna be reducing calories subsequently, the lower the thermic effect of food, right? And then finally, our basal metabolic rate, which is essentially the thing that takes the majority of our energy actually and it's the energy that's required to keep our hearts pumping our lungs working and all those other unconscious bodily functions that we can only be incredibly grateful that our body takes care of without us really recognizing and as a lighter individual you'll generally have a lower bmr and you know coming what i said about needs it's like if your body recognizes it isn't getting that much food it's not going to want to use quite as much energy right so these three things will significantly drop as we progress through a fat loss phase and if we want to add a little bit of extra here There's probably more to add, but our hunger hormones as well, like our hunger hormone ghrelin will increase to give you more signs that it wants to be fed, right? You gotta remember the body just wants to fight to get back into homeostasis and be in a place where it can do everything it wants to do. And then your satiety hormone, which is more commonly known as leptin, will decrease. So it actually takes you longer to feel satiated. And therefore your desire to want more food is gonna be prevalent. So not an ideal combo, especially as you're coming out of the dieting phase, right? It's very easy to ignore those signs even if they are very primal and physiological when you've got that goal in mind but we've got to really think about when we come out of the fat loss phase, right? So the reality is as well is that these things, they don't return to baseline as soon as we just start eating again. Um, And it also makes sense that we can't go back to just throwing more calories in. We can't just bump up calories by 600 a day and go back to where we started if your metabolism isn't quite firing the same way it was when we got going. So this is why we need a strategy, like to ensure that we get you back into a sustainable place in a strategic manner and in line with your metabolism, your hormones, And so that we can facilitate the process of them returning to the baseline without just throwing in food and just being like, you know, handle this, even though, you know, we've got down regulated processes going on that weren't the same as when we got started. So that's the reason why we reversed diet and you can probably understand why. And now I want to go through how we do this. And when we start with a client who's about to go through this process, my first question to them is what does sustainability look like to you? And I I think that's a very important question because in reality this is not black and white this looks different for everyone like i'm personally happy to train four times a week do a cardio session and even just do ten thousand steps across the week every single day It's that's totally fine with me but some people may want to only train three times per week they may only want to do 6k steps and that's totally fine it's all just important to recognize and find out what they feel sustainability is first and you know, because if it's not sustainable in a client size or the person you're working with or you yourself as an individual who's about to go through it, it's not going to be sustainable, right? And there will be time where someone might suggest like a super low amount of activity and I'm obviously going to tell them that it's going to be wiser to do more so we can put more calories back in and have a better chance of maintaining results, right? So it's, it's about coming to a happy medium. Obviously, for instance, if you are doing 30 minutes of cardio and an extra training session per week, your capacity to take on more calories on a day-to-day basis is naturally going to be higher, right? And then when it comes to the nutrition perspective, the question I'll get people to gauge here is I'll ask them, at what point during the diet... Did you feel good on the amount of calories that you had? Because of most of our clients who start with us, its I don't think I've ever had anyone who just says, I was hungry from the very start and the entire time. Usually we have the the opposite complaint that um, food is too much. And then obviously we make that our initial calorie goal, right? Like the goal is to get there as soon as possible, but I would say 90%, no, I'd say almost 100% of the time, we can push beyond this as well. And then what we do need to do is just kind of establish a bit of a allowable rate gain. Keep that in mind, but that's not as black and white as we'd like it to be. But if we know things you know, based on my estimation, usually I'm like, if things are moving too quickly in terms of a scale weight or a body composition perspective, then we know that we need to just slow things down and rein it in. Vice versa. You actually find that some people during the early stage of their reverse diet, they may even drop weight in the first week. Right. And that's a really, really good scenario. Like when I see that, I'm like, you know the clients think I'm a magician, then, which is a great feeling to have. But it's just it's the fact that their body is ready for those calories, and I mean, we can, it's an invitation for us to bring more, more back in. Um, so it's a win-win on both front. And and then when it comes to like the initial change, so I'm going to make one big change initially. Once someone reaches their checkpoint, as long as we, you know what we want to bear in mind here is the fact that if you've been in a deficit for a long time, just adding maybe 20 grams of carbs and you know just maybe dropping cardio session, it might be good. But we want want to get them into a like a quite a good place. We want them to feel the effects in the initial stages. And if you've been depleted and in a deficit for a while, then we can throw in a little bit more, not a major amount, but more than we would on a week to week basis. And then we'll continue to slowly move things back up until they're back in a place where they're feeling good physically, mentally, and the amount that they're doing on a day to day and week to week basis feels sufficient, right? And this is where it's going to be different for each person when it comes to how long, but we, you know, everyone will want to, follow some form of the framework in terms of if we are in line with the allowable weight gain we will slowly keep moving things up if someone is not feeling that good and that you know their health just isn't getting back to a best place we might put the body composition to a side and just like okay no the priority is getting you healthy right now so we'll keep pushing up and keep pushing up so as i mentioned like the why is very clear but the how isn't always quite as linear which is why we are so committed to taking care of the client after they reach their checkpoint as well. And then really covering that journey in the best degree possible. So hopefully that gives you context and makes you understand the importance of this. So that is why we reverse diet, why it's so important and how to do it too. I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, the higher the calories, the lower the activity, the easier this lifestyle will be able to maintain long term. So that's a question I've wanted to cover for a while. So I hope you took a lot of value from that. And we're going to transition into a training question next. And one that I get quite regularly, which is, is technique more important than weight? And I really do think this is a great question. And I will encourage anyone who's new to lifting to listen to this one right now. So I'd say about eight out of 10 people will ask me this question during their journey. And um, when I'm giving them some feedback on their form, they'll usually tell me, oh, I lowered the weight to focus on form. And I want to start by saying this, like this is the line that you always want to remember anytime you approach your training sessions. Weight and form are not mutually exclusive. And I'll repeat this weight and form are not mutually exclusive okay so the, the challenge with this question in general or lowering the weight to nail the form suggests that they are mutually exclusive and this is where the disconnect that comes to me and there's going to be a lot of gray areas there's going to be a lot of back and forth and caveats so bear with me here but let's start with if you're a total beginner when you're starting out you should be heavily prioritizing technique it takes months years to condition your body your muscles your joints your nervous system to handle heavy, heavy loads on a consistent basis. If you heavily prioritize form in those early stages, you're probably gonna progress in the way in which your body can progress too. With people I see who rush up on weight, they can get the weight off the ground, they can get it off their chest, but it actually looks like the weight could break them when they're actually trying to get it into position. They're shaking all over the place, you know? And it's just like, they're almost like the joints aren't ready. The nervous system isn't ready, but they can physically just get that load up. Just trust me, I'm speaking from experience here, right? And in the early stages of lifting, like I would encourage anyone who's getting started to focus on tempo, um, the contraction, the technical element of the mu- movement. And it really does amaze me sometimes. I'll ask a person, like, what muscle group are you working in an exercise? And they won't actually know, right? If you want the most out of the movement, then, you know, you need to really know what you're working and focusing on the these can really help. And it's incredibly important. And this is where one of the caveats comes in. You also don't want to neglect adding more weight or, you know, adding more weight to the bar or picking up heavier dumbbells. You just want to be mindful at the speed that you're doing it. And also like, you know, get comfortable with giving yourself feedback. Like once you understand how a movement should feel, you should begin to recognize how a movement shouldn't, right? And if the movement doesn't feel right, what should we do? Probably maintain the weight where it is, right? But um, of course, if you try to tell teenagers Elliot, I wouldn't have listened to you. I was too busy to try and get strong, trying to get big and being led by my ego. And it happens to us all. And this is why I need to, you know, come in with this question today. And if we can try do our best. It's, I know it's hard. It's, but our egos to the side will benefit long term. And a very good way to do this, if you are struggling to kind of cool yourself out on this, is using videos. And I appreciate that a lot of people are self-conscious about filming in the gym. And I get it. Like, I, I really do get it. However, I would go as far to say that these days it's actually quite normal. And especially if you're home training right now, there's really not much excuse in terms of why you shouldn't be filming your lifts and reflecting on those and seeing where you can improve. Like most people, albeit are taking selfies of their abs, they're pulling their shirts off, but there's enough of us filming ourselves in the gyms and, you know, in our home workouts that it's, you know, it's actually, even when you go into gyms, it's usually accepted. It's usually quite normal. So, and if anyone is actually, I want to, I want to throw this in, right? If anyone is going to give me the excuse that they have no one to film them, 90% of my videos, at least on Instagram or wherever are filmed by me putting the video on, like be pulling up my phone, putting it on video, putting on selfie, hitting record, and then putting it up against my water bottle. It doesn't necessarily work every single time. Like you'll have times that you put, you pick the weight off the floor and then your phone will fall down. It's kind of annoying, but nine times out of 10, it will work. And actually one final pro tip here, this, this, this was a game changer for me. What can be annoying is when you're on iPhones, when you're, uh, you, you know, you know, when you start video recording, it will stop your music. However, there is an app on the iPhone. I'm not sure if it's on Android, but then again, I don't really care if you're on Android <laughs> called Media monster. And it's basically an app that records you, but doesn't interrupt your music. And it was a game changer for me. I wish I'd discovered it years ago, but I digress, right? Let me get back on track here. Videos will give you the feedback that you, or your ego might not be able to see. And once you start to see that you went too fast, too heavy, too low, you can course correct for the next set. And another caveat here, I have trained for over 10 years now. And to this day, I still regularly check my form. Like what we've got to bear in mind is that each time we increase the weight we're using, there's an opportunity for our form to break down. So it's not a case of like, you know, if you completed the movement to perfection at 20 kilos, it's the same at 30 kilos. It's just not the case. If you're making progress within your lifts, it's like a lifelong thing you should be doing in terms of reflecting on your training and learning and getting feedback from those videos and from yourself at all times. And now I do want to throw another spanner in the works. So this is where I mean, uh, what I was meant by bear with me here, that you don't want to come too obsessive with form. And I know that this sounds a bit counterintuitive to what I just said, but try and bear with me here. Like I became the guy at one point during my training where I became so obsessed with form and what actually it prevented me from doing is it prevented me from getting as strong as I could. When you transition into heavier loads, sometimes you just have to accept a bit of form breakdown. It's almost impossible to avoid. And as long as this isn't every time you go into the gym and, you know, potentially when you do try the heavier weights, you get someone to spot you, then you should be okay. But when you do make that new jump to the new weight, it's likely that some of those reps are going to be a bit scrappy. And that is something you're going to have to accept. So I know that for me, I was moving up and I was like, oh yeah, it just doesn't feel as perfect as it did on this weight lower. I'll just stick with this weight lower. And you never, really bridge that gap as much as you should. And now actually I want to get back to the guy who dropped the weight to focus on the form, a guy or girl, I should say. So once again, I totally get this. And again, I've been here too. And it's likely that I mean, this usually happens because of they were probably left lifting maybe 10 kilos more than they should have. You know, each rep was lasting a second as opposed to four seconds and maybe they were bouncing at the bottom of their lifts using momentum, etc. However, if you notice your form isn't good and it's, you know, maybe down to your posture, your tempo, and if it is virtually impossible to complete the same lift, you know, with that weight, with good form then a marginal drop is totally acceptable. And once you do make that marginal drop, give it a go again, see how it goes. And if you need to drop more, that's totally fine. However, like this is the key part. Once you nail that technique again, your immediate focus must be to maintain what you just did and drive that weight back up, right? If your goal is to gain muscle and strength, this is crucial. You shouldn't be staying at a lower weight for any longer than you should, being fearful that, you know, going back up will you know, go to back, Bad form. You've just got to make sure that you ingrain that technique. You, in, you keep practicing and thinking of it. And you just want to learn and, from every error that you make, recognize that if you can take that form that you got on the lower weight back up and you're patient and you're conscious of every rep and set, then you're onto something very good here. So I want to summarize all of that because I went a bit of back and forth there, but weight and form are not mutually exclusive. A beginner will benefit from focusing on technique, but should not be afraid to slowly build up the weights. There will be times where your form will get a little bit scrappy. And when you're trying to progress, that's totally okay. And occasionally you may have to drop down the weight to just tighten up a little bit. But the goal should be to push the weight back to where it was once again and get as strong as possible. So I'm pretty damn glad that we've covered those two topics because now you know the importance of reverse dieting, you know that you should be prioritizing technique, but you should also heavily have a focus on weight as well, which are three very, very good tips that you can anyone can take into their training and their journey and benefit from massively. And I wanna get onto this final question today, which is an interesting one. And this topic is inspired from James Smith's recent IG video on the exact same topic, which you may have seen on Instagram. And it seems to be super popular. And what I wanted to do is add my take, echo some of his thoughts, and expand on some of the things that he mentioned and provide a little bit more context, perspective, um, and just give a slightly different opinion, actually. And the question was: or the question that he was covering is: should women aim to have six packs as their goals? And his answer was a pretty, you know, unanimous no. And if I'm honest, I'm going to be quite controversial here. You know, it it happens sometimes. And I say that part of me does agree with him, but part of me doesn't. And here's why, right? I'm going to start with why I do and give you a few concise points, which are fairly in line with what he mentioned. And then I'm going to go into why I potentially don't fully agree with what he mentioned as well. So firstly, from a physiological perspective, females will naturally hold more body fat than males you know, if you females listening, you know, hear this again, because you're, you're going to enjoy it. From a physiological perspective, you will always hold more body fat than males. Obviously what you do in terms of your training and everything like that may lead you to having a lot less body fat than a male, especially if that male is not training and he's not eating well, etc. But from like a evolutionary perspective, you are preconditioned, to hold more body fat, right? Because you females out there, you can do this pretty incredible thing where you endure nine months of pregnancy, you give birth to another human being, and if you ask me, that's pretty damn phenomenal, right? So if we think of the primary reason why we have body fat, it's for survival reasons, it's for extra energy. And if a female needs to one day nourish a fetus inside of her and use her own energy reserves in order to do that, it makes sense that she has some extra body fat on her, right? It doesn't matter whether having a child is on the agenda or not for you right now. If you were born in a female body, it's likely to be the case. So with this in mind, even if children aren't on the agenda for years to come, like I said, having a healthy amount of body fat, a regular menstrual cycle, is definitely gonna be advantageous from a, like an overall health perspective. So that's reason number one, very straightforward. And the second reason that comes alongside this one is if you're holding more body fat generally, it means it's gonna really, really require some work to get to that level of body fat and very challenging for most women. Body fat distribution is fairly different for everyone. Like some females will have popping abs and not actually have too much trouble in getting there. Whereas some will have a fair amount of, Body fat placed on their midsection, they might never ever see signs of abs in their lives up until the point where they're really pushing for it. They might have never seen them before. So, if you're on this end of the spectrum, it's going to be quite hard to push to get some visible abs. And it might even take several fat loss phases before you even get this. And I'll caveat this later when I present my points on IQ and the other perspective. But realistically, if you're going to push for that and it's, you know, your genetic makeup doesn't help you here, you're going to have to go to some very low calories. You're gonna have to sustain this for a long period of time, and ultimately, we know that that over a course of you know an extended period is gonna cause some complications. And then the final reason is you know just in the last part I mentioned is that the period of time, like the sustaining the low calories, like you might be able to push until you get visible abs if you're a man or a woman, and unless you're genetically blessed it's very tough to maintain this. And I can speak from experience here and I can tell you that it's not easy whatsoever. You have to be meticulous with your diet and like on a longer term basis. I'm not talking about what I said earlier when you know you do that final push to get to the goal. If you wanna maintain this, it's up for a long term. Like you may have to keep your calories low for an extended period of time, which is highly likely. Or you'll have to do a lot of the exercise on a day-to-day and week-to-week basis. It makes having a social life more challenging. And this isn't only going to lead to some potential physical health challenges, it's going to present some mental ones too. So as you can see, like there's some very, very pressing reasons as to why striving for a six pack, especially as a female, and I would even add potentially a male too, might not be a wise move. However, I do think it's worth noting with any goal that's kind of on like the extreme end where you have to push yourself to the limit, there's always gonna be a certain amount of risk associated with this, right? An athlete will spend multiple hours of day training. Like some may even call it overtraining. They hold a very minimal amount of body fat that may seem deemed unhealthy, right? If you look at like a triathlete, for instance, do they look like the picture of health? Not usually. Let's say someone, let's take it out of an athlete perspective. Let's say someone who runs their own business. They're working 80 hours a week. They're just getting by on enough sleep and they might not be prioritizing or eating, you know, prioritizing their eating or having healthy meals or, you know, a doctor or a surgeon, someone who's even in the healthcare industry might be doing the same, but in their eyes, the payoff is worth it even if it's at the extent of certain aspects of their health. And I'm not saying I necessarily agree or disagree that these are the right things to do. However, I can see and very much understand why people make these choices if they've set them goals for themselves, right? Let's, it's like, for me, actually, this is very similar to people who take anabolic steroids, right? Let's take Dwayne Johnson, who we all know. He uh, is probably right now, and at some point in his life, has been taking anabolic steroids, right? Just newsflash if you weren't already aware. And he would have understood the repercussions of that choice. And he probably understands the repercussions to this day. However, when it came to being The Rock, when he, you know, wanted to be superhero-esque and super muscular, you know, that was required. And that was a choice that he made at the time. And I'm, I have a feeling he probably doesn't regret it right now, right? So I appreciate that in some situations, like when the payoff is pretty big, it makes a lot of sense for that individual. And, you know, however, some people argue that, you know, when someone is relying on their livelihood to do something, it doesn't compare to someone who just wants to get lean to, you know, go on this beach holiday. And I get that, but I don't think it's worth overlooking because we've just got to bear in mind that different individuals will want different things. And I think everyone has the right to choose the goals for themselves. And by nature, some people will opt for more extreme goals than others. And I would always encourage someone to think very clearly about their goals before setting out on them, you know, weigh up the pros and cons and make sure that at the end of the day, you make that decision that's right for you you're very informed you potentially have a coach or someone in your corner who you know cares about you to go through those things with you rationalize those things and then if you still come to that decision at the end of the day that's your choice and it's always comes down to the individual. The second reason why I don't want to fully agree with this is I don't want it to disempower people who are really striving towards this and actually do have it as their goal. I think it's easy to hear a video like this and think, oh, well, that must be me too. You know, I'm never going to be as lean as I want because of genetics. You know, it's kind of the same as when someone might put you in a box because of where you grew up or, you know, yeah, you know, your location or where you came from or, you know, the wealth of your family and just said, oh, no, you couldn't make that much money. You couldn't run your own business. Like I I wouldn't want to hear that if that was my goal. And I think that it's important for people not to just say, oh, no, you you know, you're just genetically not there. You're never going to make it because of I would argue that sometimes we can override. OK, let me let me, do, let me just take a step back. We can really heavily influence how we're going to look, how we're going to behave in this world, despite our genetics and despite our predispositions, let's say, as well. So to come full circle here, it's super important for us to remember that physiologically females generally have higher body fat than men, which means they will have a harder time getting visible abs. However, it ultimately comes down to the individual to make their choice and ideally make the choice that doesn't have a huge expense on their long-term health. So I think that summarizes it nicely. I'd be very keen to get your take on that because I know it's quite a controversial topic. And initially, I'll be honest, when I heard him say it, I wanted to agree wholeheartedly. But then as it was going through, I was just thinking, you know, I've got some females on my roster who want to get abs and I don't want to hear them, I don't want them to listen to that video and feel disappointed empowered if that is their goal however for all the ladies out there who it isn't you know who are maybe sacrificing their health in order to get that goal, then it definitely would have been refreshing to hear that. Um, so it's just about making sure that we're never too one-sided on any end of the spectrum. And that's where I come in, give you my rationale, my rational perspective. So that is everything from me today, guys. I really enjoyed covering those few topics. We are going to be back next week with another episode of the Simply Fit podcast. So I hope you enjoyed this one today. And finally, if you haven't already signed up to the EH challenge, and it's something that intrigues you and please do other than that please screenshot this whilst you're listening now pop it on your instagram stories tag me maybe at your favorite moment in the podcast and it would be immensely immensely appreciated so that's everything from me guys have a wonderful wonderful week ahead take care and we'll speak soon and that was the simply fit podcast i hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode i feel inspired to improve your health and well-being